From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations, the podcasts, of course, TalkZone.com. Those of you catching the live stream on YouTube uh, through our HOA. And incidentally, if you want to join uh, the HOA and watch this transmission uh, being streamed live on YouTube, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Go to the top or near the top of the feed, and you'll find a tweet containing the HOA link. Just click on it, and you're in. It's that simple. So however and wherever you are listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Victor Vigiani, the executive director of Zeland Communications and a frequent guest uh, here on The Conspiracy Show, is standing by, along with, we hope, we're trying to get him, UFO disclosure advocate Steve Bassett, who is the executive director of Paradigm Research Group in Washington, uh, and Stephen has just recently, very recently, issued a stunning press release from PRG indicating uh, he has been contacted by a source uh, within the U.S. military intelligence community. The communication concerns the prospect of managing the disclosure of extraterrestrial-related issues under the current administration, officially making Barack Obama the disclosure president. Of course, that window is closing rapidly. Uh, we, uh, we are less than... What are we, around 65 days until uh, inauguration? Uh, anyway, that conversation just moments away. Uh, Ian Robertson is here on the other side of the glass. Our technical producer, Albert Vinzel. Yes, let's get a shot of Ian for our folks on the um, the HOA. There's uh, Ian in his poor boy cap working the phones on the other side of the glass. And uh, Albert Vinzel is here running our HOA. Uh, if you... Um, Oh, and let's uh, let's also say hello to Ryan White, who is with us in studio. Ryan is our intern. Welcome aboard, Ryan, a former broadcast student of mine uh, from Durham College and uh, an exceptional uh, young man with an exceptional mind, and we're happy to have uh, you here, Ryan, with us. Um, now, do we have... We have Stephen Bassett. Excellent. Stephen Bassett is the executive director of Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996, to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind the so-called UFO phenomenon. Stephen has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of formal disclosure by world governments of an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. He's given thousands of radio and television interviews, and PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by national and international media. In 2013, PRG produced a citizen's hearing on disclosure at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. On November 5th, 2014, PRG launched a congressional hearing political initiative seeking the first hearings on Capitol Hill since 1968 regarding the extraterrestrial presence issue and working to see the issue included in the ongoing presidential campaign. Stephen Bassett, welcome to you, sir. Hi, Richard. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Victor Vigiani is with us, uh, the executive director of Z-Land Communications and a frequent guest here on the program. Victor, hello, my friend. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Stephen. Great to be with you. All right. As always. Stephen, let's get right to it. Uh, the uh, the communication you received, uh, first of all, in what what form did it did it take? Text. A text. And uh, and 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 why are you confident of its providence? I've been in this for twenty years, and uh, I have some contacts. I have some some access. Not a lot. 
not as much as some. I know. This came in over encrypted text, which I just happened to set up about 10 days prior for another friend who just wanted to have me to have encrypted text for her. And it came in that way. Uh, so it's really that straightforward. Okay. Nothing more complicated than that. A tip, I guess you could say. Right. And uh, th- my, I have a question for you, though, Richard. Please. We just had an election. I think most Canadians are generally aware of it. In, 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 in your memory, has Canada ever had an election where the outcome was as dramatic or unusual as this one? Not to my knowledge, no. Yeah. No, not to my knowledge. I mean, we have the, 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 the difference, of course, is being a parliamentary system and it's uh, first-past-the-post system. We have multi-parties here. We don't have an electoral college system, so it's very different. Uh, so we kind of, of avoid but a lot of that. Have, you can have an outcome that could be what you would call a... Uh, a shock, shock to the system, or a, a, a disruption. Well, we have had pollsters get it wrong, uh, certainly, but yeah. never infused with this much, uh, you know, acrimony from both sides and the aftermath. Nothing, nothing like this. Okay. So, th- this is a significant event, uh, comparable to some extraordinary events of the last thirty years. I mean, it's not just another election. And so history often happens at times like that. And the situation is this. I mean, I can only summarize it. I, I can even begin to discuss it in depth. But and we've talked about parts of it in the past. But the situation is basically this, as I see it. I could be wrong. Um, the Clintons and their close associates, uh, having been denied the opportunity to a, de- a deal with the ET issue during President Clinton's initial first term, uh, dropped the matter going into the second election and made a decision that they would put it off for another day and never talk about it, which they did. They never talked about it. The words of America out their mouth regarding the Rockefeller Initiative. But I believe they made a decision that Secretary Clinton and then First Lady Clinton would eventually obtain the White House and she would be the disclosure president. First woman president, which is a modest legacy, there have been 68 or 9 other women who have been heads of state. And Edith uh, Wilson, first, who acted as president for about a year and a half. Yeah, and, and you've had that. So, you know, as legacy goes, it's not huge, but nevertheless, it's a milestone for the United States. But she would have been the disclosure president, which is perhaps will be one of the greatest legacies of any president. And that was the goal. And beginning in like 2002, they began to sort of lay the groundwork for that meaning creating a trail of breadcrumbs that history could look back and see the connection to the moment that she's the disclosure president back all the way to her husband's efforts, which were stonewalled, just like Carter in 1993 to 96. I think she felt she would get the White House in 2008. Uh, It didn't happen, which created a tough situation because the the ET issue was maturing. The advocacy movement was making a lot of progress. Uh, and so eight more years, tough call. I believe that for that reason, Obama was brought into the Clinton sphere. In fact, it's obvious that he was. They were not friends going into the uh, transition period for Obama in 2008. <laughs> to say the least. Nasty election. However, uh Quickly, they became friends, and I believe that's when Obama was sort of brought into the picture. Uh, this is easy because he selected John Podesta, uh, Clinton's chief of staff and advisor during the Rockefeller Initiative, to, to form the new government in 2008. And then 
they selected Hillary Clinton for Secretary of State and Leanne Panetta for Secretary of Defense. They tried to get uh, Bill Richardson for Secretary of Energy, of Commerce. All of these people were connected. Government of uh, Governor of New Mexico, who was uh, uh, has right. also said some, you know, has also talked about UFO sightings and so forth. That's correct. So he was in on it. The question was, was it going to happen under him? Nevertheless, and it didn't. And and one of the reasons was the nature of his administration. It was a very odd situation. He came in under an enormous financial crisis that was not his doing. Uh, but nevertheless, the propaganda machine cranked up, and within six months, half the American people blamed it on him, such as the nation of propaganda. took a huge hit in the midterms. And, and the opposition party was essentially arrayed against him, meaning they were going to do everything they could to prevent him from doing anything. And so it really made for a tough administration. And in spite of the fact that between 2008-2014, the advocacy movement made even greater strides, the issue continued to advance, Obama did not disclose. Uh, and then the campaign goes in high gear two years ago, and the pressure is building even more. Um, the key to that was the citizen hearing on disclosure, which PRG produced at the National Press Club, generating 30 hours of testimony in front of six former members of Congress, then delivered that entire testimony to the House and Senate of the United States in November 2014 and then began soliciting the media intensely, directly in Washington, in early 2015. This put great pressure on the Clintons, and as a result, they were in a difficult spot. I believe that the goal was for her to get to the White House and disclose, but they might not make it. They had a long way to go. That was a two-year campaign. And they needed to be prepared for the possibility the issue would blow out before achieving the White House, and so they then began laying down more breadcrumbs, statement after statement after statement, appearance after appearance on talk shows, not only by her and her husband, but also Barack Obama and John Podesta, including strong statements to the, uh, to the media by her. This is extraordinary. No president, candidate, presidential candidate has ever said anything like this before. Meanwhile, over those two years, perhaps as many as 1,000 print articles in major publications, including foreign language around the world, were published all about the Rockefeller Initiative, about the Clinton Connection, uh, with links, hyperlinks to all the material, such as the nature of articles on the Internet. And I'm talking about papers like New York Times, Washington Post, Washington Times, Times of London, Chicago Tribune, and on and on. Right. There was a a real sea change in the way that this... uh, uh this discussion was being handled by the mainstream medium. It was no longer the, sort of the tongue-in-cheek derisive commentary. Uh, yeah, and all, all of it was serious. There's almost no ridicule in this. This was serious print, partially because they were making serious statements. That was their intention, to show clearly that they took the issue seriously, which generated even more media, which then generated more statements. So we're moving forward. However, it, it, it did not, the issue did not explode uh, ahead of, quote, obtaining the White House primarily because we were blocked by the television media. The television journalism will not touch this issue. Their record is the worst. There are reasons for that. There are just six major networks, the three uh, standard networks that operate under the FCC, uh, government, essentially, uh, mandate. And then you have the three cable networks, which are fighting amongst themselves all the time for a few thousand viewers. And, and, and so they're, they're, they won't rock the boat. All of the all of the, the hosts of these shows are multimillionaires. They have no desire to rock the boat, 
and they control the debates. All of the debates and forums held on this, this uh, election, and there's 35 of them, I think, all of them were moderated by television hosts who had the full command of the questions. Let me just uh, jump in here, Stephen. We're heading yeah, into a break. break. Okay. Stephen Bassett, Executive Director of Paradigm Research Group. Victor Vigiani, Executive Director of Zeland Communication News Network. Back with more of the Conspiracy Show right after this. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just a note at the bottom of the hour, open lines for the final half hour of this program. Open lines at the bottom of this hour. I'll give you the numbers now. 416-360-0740. in the greater Toronto area. Toll free from just about anywhere. one 866 740 That's coming up in 10, 11, 12 minutes' time. All right, right now, Stephen Bassett, uh, Executive Director of Paradigm Research Group, Victor Vigiani, Zeland Communications News Network. Stay with us. Uh, Stephen, you did an exemplary job of sort of uh, succinctly summarizing why uh, disclosure, UFO ET disclosure, did not happen under Barack Obama's watch, how the table was being set for it to occur under a Clinton presidency. Uh, that's now not going to happen. Uh, because time is tight, let me, let's just jump to this uh, encrypted message you received. Can you share that with us? Ah, the message is, I paraphrased it in the press release I put out. But look, uh, I've got a preface, otherwise the audience not know what I'm talking about here. Uh, and I've got time to do this. Um, the, uh, none of the candidates were asked a single question by any of the television moderators. Therefore, she was able to coast through all of those debates and in the clear heading for the White House. Well and good. But she lost. And she didn't lose to just anybody. She didn't lose to John McCain or or uh, Mitt Rom- Romney. She lost to a wild card, Donald Trump. And this was a shock to everyone and a shock to her. Shock. Her political career is over. Uh, and so the situation then changed dramatically. So she was not going to be the disclosure president. But there was still 60-some days for Barack Obama to be the disclosure president. Now... What um, are you looking for at that point? What do you expect? Here's what I've figured out. Ten months ago, the Pentagon approached a, a known UFO researcher who happened to be a known, known musician named Tom DeLong of Rock, of uh, Blink-182 right. and Angels and Demons. He, Angels and something. A- Angels and Airwaves. And Angels he walked and away from a music career uh, to, to, to dedicate his life to, to studying this issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he still does the music, but he's been involved for 20 years. I, I, I knew about that a long time ago. And he knows this stuff. He was approached by the Pentagon. He said that they wanted to talk with him. he meet with him, high-level people. Uh, they wanted him to get information out. And this is about 10 months ago now, when Hillary Clinton was still considered to be, like, the front runner. She's going to be the president. So they kind of see what's coming, in a sense. Uh, they even gave them a 10-person advisory board. Uh, and then get information out in a way that would be comfortable for people. And so he, he wrote a book called Secret Machines. It's fiction, but it's not fiction. Documentary was uh, being put together. A lot of people thought he was joking or he was hoaxing, but he wasn't. And, in fact, this was confirmed when the Podesta emails were, were leaked by WikiLeaks. Correct, right. It's all in there. 
And, of course, I have that up on my website. That was a very extraordinary thing. I mean, people think the Pentagon is just, what, for the hell of it? I'm going to get in touch with somebody for bringing information out? But that was 10 months ago. Now Hillary Clinton loses. She's not going to be the disclosure president. The tip that I got occurred just two days after the election was over. And the essence of it, there was no Q&A. It was, the essence was simply this. And given that over 150 articles have been written about what PRG has been trying to do here, uh, I'm completely connected to this issue in terms of the political media in Washington. And I wasn't surprised that it was this. There are people inside the military intelligence community who deal with this issue. In other words, they're the ones that manage it under deep classification. The Secretary of Defense is not given this information. The Secretary of Defense is a political appointee. He's transitional. He's out of the loop. The president's out of the loop. The Congress is out of the loop. This whole business has been in constitutional breach for decades. It's a problem. But, you know, the people inside, they manage the issue. That's it. But the message was this. Many of them are ready to work with the SECDEF if the SECDEF reaches down to them. In other words, they're willing to bring this information to him if asked. Why? So the Secretary of Defense could go cut a deal with the White House which is required if the president's going to disclose. Why? Because they want disclosure under Obama. Now, the earlier approach, I think, to Tom DeLong was predicated on disclosure happening under Clinton, who I think planned to do it all along, but she didn't make it. And so they had to pick up the pace. They have 60 days. If now, and how will it happen? Clinton is done. She is finished politically, and she leaves her career in disgrace like her husband, ended his political career in disgrace. She was savaged for over a year by every scandal you can imagine. Uh, it was an awful campaign, and she lost to Donald Trump. This is not going out on top. But if she were to finally speak truth to power, if she were to take an interview with a high-level journalist and start getting into much more depth about the Rockefeller Initiative, opening the door for questions to her husband, to Richardson, to Panetta, to Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos was involved in the Rockefeller Initiative. He was in the White House at the time. And then there are 17 private individuals who have yet to be interviewed by the media, amazingly enough, in the 23 years since it ended. She would literally create a media firestorm in almost overnight. And that media firestorm would eventually head for the Pentagon. And, of course, it is that that would literally force the Pentagon's hands, or the hand to cut that deal with the, the White House. And what I'm understanding is when the Secretary of Defense faced with that, he's got to know what the hell he's talking about. And so when he looks down or goes down into the agency and says, can somebody tell me what's going on here, there's people to answer him. And that's how it would happen very, very quickly. But it is virtually in Secretary Clinton's hands virtually in her hands. It's possible it could come from another direction, but it's primarily hers to play. If she has two choices, I call it the Clinton's choice. It's her and her husband. They have two choices. They can speak truth to power finally, and not just some truth, not just m manipulated truth, but the real deal. And they can trigger disclosure under their Democratic president, Obama, get a great deal of the legacy themselves, and allow the government to get this out, settle down, put in some structures, so the next president will walk into a structured, stable situation. But the Democrats will be the disclosure party. Or they can continue to remain silent and allow the whole embargo, truth embargo, to pass on into the next administration for better or for worse. This is an historic decision. 
that is sitting right before her. It is one of the most important decisions any presidential candidate has ever faced, and in the case of her husband, any former president has ever faced. And the Pentagon seems to be making a statement here. Of course, the media are ready to go, and that's where we are, and the time is short. If she's going to trigger this, she's got to do it soon, because it will take time for the pressure to build and the Pentagon to relent, and that has to happen soon enough, because you cannot have disclosure a week before the inauguration. You just I wonder if I could just sort of interject there, Steve. And, Victor Vigiani, yes, yeah. Eland. Uh, I wonder if, um, yeah. just go back, uh, just to back up a little bit here. Uh, there's an amazing amount of interest that I've garnered over the past uh, two days. Uh, my website alone has had just about a thousand hits about this whole situation that you're involved in. Mm-hmm. And people are burning to know one specific thing. Mm-hmm. Why are you, why have you been tapped on the shoulder to become part of this whole scenario in terms of managing uh, the disclosure issue regarding... I'm not managing it. Well, no, what, no, what, how they, how you want to be part of, or how they may want you to be part of to help them manage the situation. That's the perception that's out there, Steve. It's a simple answer. For the last two and a half years, I have been driving the media to the Clintons, generating. Most of those stories you, you've... you've you've seen are being generated by PRG. I'm working with 36 journalists now from 36 publications. And 130-some stories uh, about the Clinton ET connection included direct references to PRG, links to the website, links to the Rockefeller Initiative document. I mean, I've been pushing this for two and a half years. My publicist was involved for, for three months as well. And so I'm in the center of the storm. And so... That's the tip. Are you? Are you by the way, that tip that, that tip has several uh, aspects to it. One, it's quote letting people know that it's 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 letting me know, knowing that I would share this that the pen, there's people in the Pentagon ready to cooperate with the sec death, and of course they're also letting indirectly other people in the government know that there are people ready to cooperate, which may spurn others to cooperate. In other words, they're setting the basis for a, 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 a quick action by the Pentagon leading to disclosure by the White House. And this is extremely important for, for this reason, and this is something that most people don't understand. There have been three fundamental issues running down through history since 1947. One is the extraterrestrial presence. The other is the... Uh, the truth embargo imposed by the U.S. government on the issue to contain it. And the third, which really doesn't get underway until 62, roughly, is the constitutional breach that has emerged. This constitutional breach was one of the key things that Eisenhower was, was warning us about in his farewell speech in, in January of 1961. Beware of undue influence of the military-industrial complex. Well, it's actually the military-intelligence-industrial complex. What happened was, is when the growing secret realm, the growing secret empire, pulled this issue out from under the Congress and the President, and out from other other appointees, and then began pulling other USAPs, or unacknowledged special access programs, out from under the White House, this was a constitutional breach. It is illegal. 
And it was done for national security reasons. I understand. These people are good people. They, they have the safety of the country at, at, at heart. That's what they want. They're not rich. They make 100000 $100, a year. They're comfortable, but they don't have inside deals. They do it because they're serving their country. But nevertheless, it was a constitutional breach. So when Carter tried to get information, when Kennedy tried to get information, when Clinton tried to get information, they came right up against that breach. And they knew that if, if the Pentagon wasn't going to cooperate and they had to force them, which they could have done, Clinton could have called every single Joint Chiefs and every single top manager in the Pentagon and the CIA into the Oval Office, put them all in there, given them all a tuna fish sandwich, and said, you will start telling me everything about the ET issue, or I'm getting rid of all of you. But that would have publicly put the entire con uh, uh, constitutional breach literally out there, and the public would have learned that essentially the military intelligence community was in a coup relationship with the government in a sense. For decades, it would have been an absolute massive can of worms, and none of the presidents were prepared to do that. ET thing is easy. There's ETs here. Wish we told you sooner. Here they are. But the constitutional breach is the problem. And so this addresses all of that. Why? Because, you see, if the, the Pentagon, under the pressure of the media, is able to provide information and get a deal cut with the White House, and then the president comes forward in an orderly fashion and announces the ET presence before they show up, like in the movie Arrival, then everything is, is the way it's supposed to be, and the constitutional breach is essentially not engaged. It will be dealt with one day, but not up front. So the, the key, the linchpin here, then, is to get Hillary to go to the press. Uh, is the same, is the pressure that being exerted on her by these same people that, that sent you the message? I have no idea, but I do know this. The print, the print media is picking up on this. They're picking up on this Obama situation. There's already been five, six, seven stories. There's plenty more coming, believe me. You're going to see story after story talking about these developments and why there is time for Obama to disclose this issue. Now, the question is, who in the journalistic uh, uh, stratosphere, now the, the power journalist, is going to be the one that's going to go and confront uh, Clinton? Or who is she going to call? Marine Dowd keeps coming up. Perfect choice. The point is, is that all she has to do is give a a, a heart to heart, let her hair down with one uh, because one uh, journalist. It's over. Oh, because the documents have been on the net for years. That the witnesses have come forward. This is all. This this cake is baked. It just needs to be taken out of the oven. Does she have what it takes to do this? And psychologically, to me, it is a no brainer. She will either go down in history as a failed candidate with a husband who left the office in disgrace, who could not beat a man who hardly spent any money and insulted virtually everybody in the world, or she can be the candidate, senator, first lady, who, along with her husband, finally said, look, people, you must know what's going on here. We tried to get the information. We were stonewalled, and then let the press take it from there and get the legacy, not only for herself and her husband, but also for the Democratic Party. Obama will be the disclosure president, and Donald Trump will be the first post-disclosure president. All right, we have to leave it there. Uh, we will um, we'll keep on top of this and uh, check in as the 60-plus the days tick down, and uh, we'll see how this develops. Stephen Bassett, Executive Director of Paradigm Research Group, thank you for this. My pleasure. Victor Vigiani, thank you, my friend. Thank you for being uh, so open with us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Open lines when we come back, 416-360-0740. If you'd like to respond to that, 
disclosure that bombshell from Stephen Bassett. Barack Obama will be. There's still time for him to be the disclosure president. You can weigh in on that or any other matter. Toll free from out of town, 866-740-4740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, we will get to the other calls, but I quickly wanted to work in Victor Vigiani, who was with us the last half hour, along with Stephen Bassett, the executive director of Paradigm Research Group. We were talking about this cryptic or encrypted message text that Bassett received from uh, a source within the military intelligence community, uh, saying that they are there's a consensus there now, and they're pressuring, uh, they will a pressure apply pressure for Barack Obama to disclose the UFO ET presence before he leaves office in 60-plus days. So I just wanted to work Victor in here very quickly uh, with a last word before we uh, we move on. Victor, thanks for hanging out. Yes. All right. So uh, I don't know if we actually uh, – I, I mentioned to Stephen we were tight for time, and, and he said we he had time to sort of preface it, but I don't know that we actually got to the meat of the actual text, did we? Not really, and no. that was uh, kind of disappointing for me because we're trying to – figure out, at least I am anyways, I'm trying to figure out the huge amount of interest that uh, has been thrown my way specifically in terms of uh, what happened after he an- he announced that he had received this encrypted message. Okay, do you have the summary on Office Press release that you can read to us? or? Um, actually, yeah, I think I actually just um, shut it down a moment ago, but I can bring it up here if you want. Um, Okay, let me see. And people can go, they can go to, they can go to, obviously they can go to PRG or they can go to Mm zlandcommunications.blogspot.ca and they can read, read it. And again, this is, uh, this is a summary of the, of the text that he received again from Mm -hmm. someone within the military intelligence community. That's right, yeah. Essentially what it said was, the message stated, persons who are directly involved in the management of the extraterrestrial issue want disclosure to take place under President Obama, and we are ready to work with the Secretary of Defense if approached. That, that's the essence of what um, the, the, the message that he received. Okay, I think he did mention, yeah, he did He did uh, relate that then. Mm-hmm. All right, I wasn't sure if we got the, the gist of it. All right, so, but it's worth repeating. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the essence of the whole thing is, is, is why, first of all, I would love to have a, a more specific answer from Steve on why he felt he was tapped on the shoulder to become a participant in this. I don't think Steve really fully explained, uh, to, to my satisfaction anyways, why he was tapped on the shoulder to be uh, a participant in this whole scenario and what his role might be in all of this and why he was chosen. I know that Steve has made it very clear in the past um, and in some of his uh, emails that he was considered uh, sort of an irritant uh, among people who were observing his work from the uh, from the White House and uh, and within the government as as an irritant. Well, perhaps because, as he said, he's now working with some 36 journalists. Maybe they feel that he is the quickest route uh, to get to get this message out to get the ball rolling. I don't know. To me, the other to me the the big question is why not? Why does it have to be Obama? Why does it have to be Clinton? Uh, why can't it be Trump? If if the military intelligence community are ready to disclose, mm-hmm. w- I mean, why can't they simply, and maybe m- maybe Stephen ad- address this, but mm-hmm. why can't they simply uh, contact the Secretary of Defense and say, we have to have a meeting? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. And I, I think that it has to do with a lot, that, you know, in terms of you know personal pride and what the Democratic Party really wants to happen with this. They They want to take control of how this issue is brought forward. And I think the non-sequitur of having a Donald Trump uh, uh, take over or at least be introduced to the fact that this is brand new to him or would this be something that he gets dumped in his lap 
by President Obama uh, within the next 65 days. There's a real difference here, um, as far as I'm concerned. Is one thing to be, you know, a sitting president and having been briefed on this, and then come forward and say something about it publicly, and then let your pre- uh, your your successor take over. I mean, if if nothing happens and Donald Trump is the one who br- brings this thing forward, that's one thing. But it's an entirely different scenario if President Obama wants to become the disclosure president and dumps this whole thing in Donald Trump's lap. And as far as I'm concerned, if, if that happens, uh, uh, President Trump won't know which way to look, which won't know which way to turn or, or even understand the whole issue. Because I'm convinced uh, that this issue has been so well-groomed under President Obama that he wants to be the one to do it. And I guess he's just looking for permission one way or another. Well, fi- final question, Victor, and, yeah. and that is, it, why do we need it to come from Barack Obama? If we have the former First Lady, the Secretary of State, and the former President going to the media and saying, yes, it's true, uh, this is what we know, this is what, you know, why isn't that enough? Well, no, I think it's I think it's plenty. If that's in fact how things happen, I mean, that would be one of the... There are two criteria here. You want it to happen with a sitting president, or do you want to let that go by and then eventually have Podesta and the Clintons bring this thing forward on their own as regular citizens? That's that's another scenario altogether. And I completely agree with you. It could go one way or another. Uh, but I think that the pressure on the president to have his own name in history as being the disclosure president, I think that means a lot to him personally because he's spoken about it so often and has witnessed Podesta being part of this whole process uh, as far back as 2001. And why would Obama bring in a Podesta to have so much influence within the White House over the past two and a half to three years? There's right. a reason for that. So I think there's a the matter of pride here and maybe even ego. But uh, like you said, I mean, if, if this goes by without anything happening with President Obama, and it does eventuate that the Podestas of the world and the Clintons of the world uh, bring this forward in their own way with journalists, that's another matter altogether, which probably may have a bigger impact and uh, probably, in my estimation, throw it a bit of revenge to, uh, to Donald Trump to say, here, we can, we can reach back from the grave and affect your presidency by disclosing this information. Now you deal with it, Mr. President. Well, uh, Victor, thank you. Uh, I, I don't know. I think if they're going to do it, Podesta and Clinton, they better do it quickly because there could be a special prosecutor in their future and an orange pantsuit in Hillary's future. Well, that's entirely possible, too. All right, Victor, thank you so much. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, Bye, Richard. Goodbye, my friend. Uh, Dave is in New Jersey. Dave, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Hi, thank you very much. Um, I know you're limited for time, but um, I got a question for you, and I wanted to thank your guests. They were very interesting. Have you ever heard of, from 1960, something from the government called Mark IV, Roman numeral IV, Controlled Display System? It was an Air Force government contract that was made up for the U.S. Air Force. No, I haven't. I haven't heard about Mark IV, Dave. Yeah, and basically, I've been researching this for months and months and months. The only reason I even found out about it was a random thing. I actually have, literally, and I have it in front of me right now, the booklet that was made for them. It was acquired by me at an estate sale from, I guess, a guy who works for the government, because when I read this, it blew me away. Just to give you an idea, it was basically... uh, 30, they were trying to vent. This is before we even got a man into space just up and down, but it was a, they were building already, planning a 30-day, basically a four-person ship that could last 30 days in space with space weapons. And I can't find anything anywhere about it, and I've been researching this for months and months. I don't have an Air Force contract number. I don't want to say it on the air, but 
I just don't know if that was the only thing I thought was maybe a couple of years later. I heard then I they came out with the dinosaur D Y N A dash S O U R. I don't know if this is a predecessor to it, and this was made by Lear Incorporated. Um, and in what's July, what's the date stamp on it? Is there a date stamped? Yes, July 1960, prepared by Advanced Engineering Division, Lear Inc., July 1960. July 1960, okay, so we had Sputnik is already out, We um, and we hadn't sent a man into I, space. I spent hours and hours online and couldn't find anything whatsoever. And the only thing I found was there's some game where they have a mock-up of it where it's very similar to what this actually is, but this book was made in 1960. There would be no reason to fake this book, and the way I got it, there was no reason. But it's in great detail, and it basically has five nuclear warheads on it. Dave, so, do me a favor. Uh, there's a couple yeah. of a couple of things I would suggest because you know I'm a I'm a talk show host, and this is an area that I'm fascinated with, but. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, the expert in this area. Why? You might want to reach out to someone like a Richard Dolan. Actually, uh, I did try for two months. Literally, I sent him five emails. I tried to okay. even get on the show, and the, I finally got in touch with him while he was doing a show, and he told me that You're, I'm, I'm live. Don't bother me. All and right. He was my. So I got so depressed that he was my number one guy. I wanted to get him. I'm sorry out. to hear that. Okay, so here's the yeah, other thing. Was, next week on the program, I have Stanton Friedman. Why don't you call in in that first hour yeah, of next week? Girl who I've been following my whole life, yeah. Okay, call in, and we will make sure you get on with Stanton, okay? And when is that? Next week. I definitely will. 11 and p.m. If you could just write down my name and number, I will call you. All right, I'll put you back on hold, and we'll make sure that Dave from New Jersey gets on next week. Thank you for that. Uh, Jim is on no, South Carolina. Thank, Ca- thank you. Jim in South Carolina. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Good morning. Hi there. Uh, the Georgia Guidestones, I heard you mention it on a previous show, uh, and there was a television program. The uh, host was Scott Walter. He went and interviewed the banker that did the uh, planning and coordination for the entire Guidestone building. And for the people he, that don't know about the Georgia Guidestones, these are these uh, big, uh, well, Big stones sticking out of the ground in in uh, Georgia, and they have um, the inscription on them. Almost sounds like you know a New World Order's mm-hmm. wet dream. They talk about you know how how the population needs to be reduced and and uh, uh, what is it to like five hundred million or something? So five hundred million, right, right. And some people think that these these were placed there by you know the Illuminati or whomever. Uh, and so what did you discover, Jim, in this documentary, you, the, the banker who, who, who bought the land, where the stones are, and so forth? Right. He, he, the banker stated that someone came into his bank, gave him uh, a large sum of money with instructions of exactly what he wanted built, which would become the Georgia Guidestones. And Scott Walker found this banker and interviewed him. And the banker said that the person did mention the New World Order in their conversations and planning. Uh, I don't understand. It, it was built at great expense, I believe, in 1980. Right. And it is in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. Sounds you, like we got to get Scott. Was it Scott Walker? Or Walther. Walther. I, I'm not sure how he spells it, but it's Walther. Okay. He, he has a show on the, the History Channel. I think it's America Unearthed. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right. I'll, I'll see if I can get in touch with him, Jim, and see if we can get him on the program. That would be great. Right. Okay. And sometime, if you would like, 
I, I've gone down there a couple of times for this just a short hour, hour and a half drive. Uh, get my number, and I'll be glad to do a video chat with you, and you can actually take a look around from uh, Canada. Oh, that would be great. All right, we'll put you on hold, and Ian will get your name. Uh, I just very quickly want to say hello to Alan in Alaska. Alan, thank you for checking in. How are you, my friend? Alan in Alaska. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Thanks for calling in. Whereabouts in Alaska are you? Uh, in the interior. All right. And how are you picking us up? Uh, on, on YouTube. This first time I've listened uh, real time. It's great. Ah, welcome. Glad to have you. We just have about 90 seconds, Alan. So what did you want to talk about? Just a couple of comments. Uh, I, I keep hearing uh, uh, Mr. Bassett talking about the disclosure issue, and, and I just listened to him, and I think... Uh, who would believe these folks he's talking about? They've lied to us so many times. And if they did have this information, we would already know it because it would have been on WikiLeaks a long time ago. <laughs> I, think I, he, I think that makes sense. Gentlemen, that, uh, if it does come out, it'll be just to leave a mess for the uh, incoming president. I, I think there's a great deal of truth in, in what you're saying, Alan. If, if it came from Podesta's mouth, I mean, I, who would believe him anyway at this point? Exactly. I think he's tainted. Uh, likewise, the Clintons. However, I think Bassett is trying to sort of separate that from, you know, what do they in fact know? And he, and he points back to the Rockefeller Initiative, and, and uh, Lawrence Rockefeller uh, did contact the Clinton White House. We know that for sure. Um, the, other, the other question is, you know, would, would at this point, let's say Hillary did somehow sneak by and win the presidency, you know, would they share information with her at this point? I mean, would she even qualify to have... Security clearance. I highly doubt that. Alan in Alaska, thank you so much. I hope you'll call again. Uh, my thanks thank you, to... Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Ian Robertson from The Ruthless Ones. They gig in and around town. Next time they're uh, out touring, we'll let you know. Albert Vinzel, my uh, erstwhile remote viewer. Uh, Albert, uh, you got to pick up your game, my friend. No pressure. <laughs> and uh, thanks to uh, Ryan White also, our intern. We appreciate him dropping by as well tonight. Back next week with a brand new program, Stanton Friedman, Kathleen Martin, uh, part of the program. Hope you'll be along as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>